Hello, and welcome to this week's Key Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty. This week, we're talking to Professor Dame Alison Peacock and Kat Scutt from the Chartered College of Teaching. We talk about what the Chartered College is and what it does, and specifically how they've been supporting the profession during COVID-19. We also hear about the campaign they're running to talk about the future of teaching. As ever, I'd like to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around topics. The views my guests and I are about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. Today, we're joined by Professor Dame Alison Peacock, CEO of the Chartered College of Teaching, and Kat Scutt, Director of Education and Research from the Chartered College of Teaching. Hello and welcome to both of you. Hello. Great to be here. Fantastic. Uh, So um, let's just start with you both uh, briefly introducing yourselves uh, to the audience. So Alison. So my name is Alison Peacock. I've spent my whole career working as a teacher and then most latterly um, have started a new membership organisation called the Chartered College of Teaching, which is the professional body for all teachers. Brilliant stuff. And Kat? Um, As Director of Education Research at the Chartered College, I get to oversee the work that we do around uh, publishing research and helping teachers to engage with research, as well as our uh, teacher education and teacher certification programs. So that includes things like our journal, Impact, uh, which I think the uh, the latest uh, edition has just been landing with people recently, and uh, and our programs like our Chartered Teacher Program, but also our new Excellence in Leadership Program, leading to Chartered Status, allowing school leaders to gain Chartered Status too. Uh, I started working at the Chartered College just about two or three weeks after opening for members back in 2017, um, having worked in schools first as a teacher and then working across a trust of schools uh, previously in my career. Fantastic stuff. And you, you mentioned uh, the Chartered College opened in um, 2017, but on the off chance that anyone listening doesn't already know exactly what the Chartered College is, and, and why teachers, leaders and other folk in education should join and be part of it. Alison, can you can you explain that to us? Yeah, so we are a professional body. We're not a union. We're an organisation that is designed to help teachers to grow their career, to learn throughout their, their time as a teacher, to build their expertise and to receive recognition for the, the, their expertise as it grows. So. As Kat has already mentioned, we offer programs um, enabling teachers to become chartered. And we believe that across society, people understand when they meet a chartered accountant, they recognize that that is a badge of significant knowledge. And this is, this is one of the things that we think is really important about teaching, about how we build teaching as a profession, but also how we make sure that we have the very, very best people working with our children and young people because education is our future. So it feels like a really important mission to us. Exactly so, and you you mention um, that word chartered, and I think, as you say, it, you know, chartered accountants, people people sort of understand that language in relating to that profession, 
But as we know, education is something where, because we've all been to school, some of us have children in schools, you know, we've got opinions on, um, you know, sometimes that uh, role of the profession gets kind of lost in, in the wider debate. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my understanding is that the, the, the college is, is really trying to um, make sure that that professional voice gets heard in the, in the right place uh, and, and in the right, at the right time. You're exactly right. And I think the, the, the issue is that when you first start teaching, and I can remember this from donkey's years ago when I was first in the classroom, there's an element of intuition involved, you know, you, and survival skills, quite frankly. So, you, you know, you've been to university or you've trained to teach in your, with your school provider. But when you're there on your own with a group of youngsters, you know, the, the leadership that you need to carry that learning forward is very complex. What we know, though, is that after three years, a minimum of three years of doing this, if we're not careful, what happens is that teachers start to rely on habits, start to rely on routines that have worked for them, and may then not shift those for the next number of decades. So this is the reason that we want teachers to have the experience of being in the classroom. So we want them to have been teaching for at least three years before they approach this next route to become charters. And to do that, it's a, a 15-month program. It's really quite um, intensive. It involves examinations. Don't want to put anybody off who's <laughs> listening. But on the other hand, on the other hand, it's a real uh, recognition of the fact that a combination of intuition with evidence means that you are then in a much, much stronger position to be able to not only teach the children that you're responsible for, but also to work with your colleagues to build their practice. And our, our view is that the more that we have teachers who are able to take this, um, this qualification, this status, the more that our expertise builds and then the greater our influence is because we can confidently talk about not only what we're doing, but why we're doing it. And I think that's, that's something that's really important when we're, when we're trying to work with colleagues. As you say, everybody has, has been to school. So parents are thinking back to their own school days. Um, Taxi drivers know more than you do. You know, everybody in society knows about how to run a school and how to teach a class, but of course they don't really. And so it's about how to really um, gain that recognition that we think is so important. And, you know, uh, there have obviously been some, some crucial conversations uh, in, the, in the past few, few months around, you know, teaching, education, more, more parents getting involved in that education, political decisions about exams and grades and um, you know much more more discourse uh, about education um, and you know what more do you still think needs needs to happen to to, to make sure that the, the voice of, of teachers and, and experts are really kind of front and center in that debate so i think actually over the last number of months nobody would have wished a pandemic but the fact that this coincided with our independence from government, so we were initially funded by government to, to become an established charity. That funding ended in April. And this has meant that we are now truly independent in terms of being able to speak up about the things that our members tell us that they are really concerned about. So we always, we want to survey our members. We I email our members at least once a fortnight. We are constantly listening to what teachers and school leaders are telling us. And we have a significantly large group now of colleagues who are able to 
channel the kinds of views that they feel they would like um, politicians and others to hear. And so more and more, um, we've been speaking out about these things in a way that is always respectful. It's always calm, but nevertheless, I think sometimes we'll quite often have cut through. So we are hearing back quite often from government. We're hearing back from um, colleagues such as HMCI about the comments that we're making. So we know that our voice is being heard. And I think this is really important. If, if you're a teacher or a school leader, you're busily working away, trying to do the best you can for the children that you're working with or with your school community. But there are core issues that you believe either are unjust, um, if we think back to the exam results this summer, or frankly unworkable, such as the situation we have now where there are not enough tests, so that, and I don't mean examinations, I mean tests for COVID, um, then people want to know that they can tell someone and that and that that, will, that message will get through, which it absolutely does. So I think this is part of what we're about, but we are a non-political organisation. We need to rise above political debate. This is not about um, what we think in terms of whichever party is in power. This is about how do we make sure that policy reflects the needs of our, our children and young people and that listens to teachers who, after all, as I've just been describing, are increasingly expert in the opinions that they have. And, and you know, I think it is so important to have that, that kind of constancy and that core focus on teaching and, and learning and, and pupils, because, as you say, parliamentary activity and who's in government and initiatives here, there and everywhere it, it is often what derails those those very simple um, core features that you know need to be safeguarded um, mm. uh, for, the, for the future and having having that sort of permanency um, uh, and, and um, stability um, from from your voice is, is, is really really important um, as, as you say um, COVID-19 um, has provided some some sort of useful opportunities much as we wouldn't we wouldn't want that to, to have happened um, and the college has been really busy doing some fantastic work and and research in response to, to, to COVID and and really digging into the challenges uh, faced by the profession. Kat can you can you tell us a little bit about about what's been going on? Yes um, it's amazing to think really that it was sort of uh, back in March now that this started to really all start and we had to as a college kind of regroup and think what can we do best to support our members understanding all of the uh, other different organizations that are out there also supporting teachers but what is there that, that we can uniquely add and i think there are kind of three things that we looked at doing first of all very much the kind of practical resources that could help uh, teachers and school leaders in making decisions um i don't think the the word unprecedented has ever been used as many times as it has in the, the past few months so of course these are unprecedented times but Nevertheless, there are things that we are able to draw on from historical situations, from what we know from research in, in other uh, contexts that can help us to make decisions. So one of the, the first things that we did was our research team pulled together a, a review of research called Education in Times of Crisis that looked at um, what we already know about things like summer learning loss, what might be the impacts that we might see um, if schools are closed for a period of time. What do we know about how online learning can work best? Um, what do we know about what happens when school closes uh, School closes unexpectedly? What, what are the challenges when schools then reopen? And obviously a huge amount there was also able to look at um, 
look at what other countries were doing because we were sort of slightly on a lag behind the peaks and uh, the closures and reopenings that other countries were seeing, we were able to draw together some of those decisions made elsewhere. Um, and we felt that that was really important. Uh, we also then conducted some research with our members to understand what their concerns, what their experiences were. And something that was quite uh, comforting, I suppose, was how much those aligned to what the research on previous situations said, that actually, you know, the teaching profession really do understand what the possible challenges are. They do understand how to tackle these things. And, and it's heartwarming to see the fantastic job that our teachers and school leaders have been doing in incredibly challenging circumstances. Um, other practical resources that, that we kind of produced were things like a webinar series that we ran where we had uh, teachers and school leaders from a range of different contexts and other experts sharing ideas around uh, everything from teacher well-being to online learning um, and, and how schools might approach things like recovery when, when schools start to reopen. Um, we produced resources lists that link to some of the best resources that are out there, some of the reading that people might want to engage in obviously huge challenges and debate around assessment and examinations over the summer, making sure that teachers were able to access uh, sort of best information to understand the challenges in teacher assessment, as well as the challenges in um, exam systems and really making sure that teachers felt informed um, and school leaders felt informed about all of the things that were happening. Alongside that, um, there was a kind of well-being support, I suppose. We, we've recognised the huge pressures that are the placed on teachers. One of the things that came up quite strongly in both the review of uh, previous research and the um, research we did with our members was that the kind of responsibility that you have in supporting children and young people through difficult situations uh, can lead to a huge amount of pressure for people working as teachers or in other sort of similar public services. And that needs to be recognised. Um, we were able to uh, very quickly uh, put together a project called Teach Together with the Behavioural Insights team. Um, this was based on some work that they've done uh, in a number of different professions um, and overseas before. That is just very simple text message prompts that go out once a week to uh, encourage people to do something or to share something or to talk to a colleague. Uh, very simple prompts around well-being based on what we know from research seems to work in this area. Um, we were really lucky to have uh, some funding very rapidly from three organisations to support that, from Pairs Foundation, from, uh, and from a few other organisations to enable us to, um, to make that happen. Um, and within a week of uh, lockdown started, we had those messages started and they ran all the way um, up to the end of summer term. And then we had a sort of final prompt um, just last week. And that's something that we think is, is simple, but really powerful, that making sure that inside of all these other pressures where you're worrying about other people all the time, you take the time to think about yourself. And finally, I think one of the things that we did, which was absolutely critical and, and built on something that Alison was saying earlier about teachers' voices being heard, was really advocating for the profession. Something that seemed really surprising to me was the amount of criticism we, we seem to have seen from for teachers from uh, certain parts of the media and from certain politicians though actually i would say that when you see what parents are saying is just nothing but absolute praise for for what teachers are doing and um obviously it was really important that we were able to respond to that and to say actually no that's not correct one thing that i think i personally found a bit frustrating was when sometimes people say well you're not doing enough why are you not in the uh the national press um, saying how great teachers are, perhaps not recognising that it isn't always the good news stories that the press are looking for. Um, but certainly within the reach that we had, uh, making sure that we were 
uh, really representing the brilliant things that the teachers were doing. And um, I looked back earlier today at a letter that we wrote to the Prime Minister in, in May um, with some challenges that we felt existed then. And it's in a way um, a shame to see how much these still exist now. So we were saying that actually, you know, you need to really be trusting and, and supporting teachers more. The five things we asked for were uh, more detail on the evidence base they were using being shared rather than saying the research says and just expecting teachers to sort of trust that. Um, mm. So, you know, trust that actually teachers can understand this and that it's important that people understand the decisions they're making. Um, second, being more clear about the risks of what they're trying to do with reopening schools. It felt, again, that there wasn't that trust in the teaching profession. Um, this one, probably the most critical of all, was a request for more clear guidance with enough notice for schools to make use of it. Um, we know that this is still a huge issue um, for schools, that, that guidance is not always clear, it's not always consistent. It seems like uh, sometimes there's a, a sense of um, schools being left to it, um, and that could be seen as a good thing that we're trusting schools, but there is a worry that it's more about making sure that uh, it's the schools who are responsible for the difficult decisions that have to be made. Uh, we know even with things like the guidance around the rule of six, I believe, came out 20 minutes before uh, before it came into force on, uh, earlier earlier this week. And it's, you know, things like those that actually, of course, we understand the pressures and the challenges in bringing together this kind of guidance. But it also needs to be there in a timely way so that schools and school leaders aren't daily revising their plans based on new guidance. Um, and then the last couple were really about pledging to value the contribution that teachers are making, not making the sort of comments that we've occasionally seen uh, publicly or through the press around, around teachers, the implications that schools are not wanting to reopen. Um, these sorts of things are, are so difficult for teachers who are already doing an unbearably hard job and school leaders under a huge amount of pressure. We just shouldn't be seeing that. And there also needs to be a sense of prioritisation of, of teachers' health and well-being and valuing of that as well. And I guess the best way to achieve all of those is through a commitment to meaningful consultation with the teaching profession, not just wanting to be told that what they're planning is great and listening to a, a certain number of voices. And so that kind of ongoing engagement still remains really critically important, I think. Yeah, as you say, um, those those all seem very, very clear requests and challenges to government would be good to see more action on them and those are things that i'm sure you know everybody would would agree um uh need need action and particularly that that lack of um appreciation recognition celebration um that you feel could be could be achieved relatively easily and it, it just felt like there was a patch of time wasn't it where every opportunity they could have mentioned teachers and schools and what was going on in them they just failed to do it um which is which is a terrible uh you know uh leaves a terrible feeling for those people who were working so hard throughout that period um yeah it's um but but fantastic to hear all, all the work that that you guys were doing and um such such rich resources uh on the website um you all know better what what's available to people who are members and and not um but uh you know huge huge wealth of materials uh, created there um dur during that time which is which is brilliant um and looking looking ahead now and um, uh i'm curious to know a bit more about the the thinking you've been doing around the the future of teaching campaign and and your work setting up the, the education exchange yeah, so this is a very uh, it's a very exciting development for us. 
we wanted to create a web space that didn't rely on membership for people to engage with because we wanted to have a global conversation about education. One of the things that has happened with the pandemic is, of course, it affects everybody. And so it's been a great leveler in some ways in terms of um, thinking about how do how do teachers reach their students when they need to reach them remotely and learning across the world about how this is happening um, to a greater or lesser degree of success, depending on resources and community and so on. But the one thing that's really um, come through from that is that regardless of where teachers are in the world, their commitment to their students is um, unwavering. And so this felt like a brilliant opportunity to to be much more open and to be much more willing to look beyond our own policies and practice in, in England and say, well, what else is there in the world that we can learn from? I don't think we're terribly good at doing that, <laughs> to be honest. I think um, quite often um, England expects everybody to learn from them. So I think the the, the kind of the uh, the opportunity to share and to find out is something that we're really keen to do. So the education exchange is exactly that. It's a space where we really hoping that we can encourage colleagues from around the world to showcase the best of the work they're doing so that we can learn from that and that we can um, enter into a dialogue about that. And this relates to a campaign that we're running this year called The Future of Teaching. This is not about saying uh, everything needs to change quick, let's just take an opportunity to throw everything away and start again, not at all. But on the other hand, there are some things that have come into sharper focus during a time when we weren't all rushing around and, um, you know, carrying on with our lives in that sort of treadmill way that we all do. There were things that um, emerged around that, particularly about um, opportunities for um, a bit more self-directed learning in some cases, um, questioning about exams and the way in which with what happened in the summer, a, a realisation in wider society that a third of youngsters were always going to be told that they'd failed. And was that an acceptable thing? And is that an acceptable thing? And then also issues around mental health and well-being and the recognition that actually our children are amongst the unhappiest um, in OECD nations. So are we happy with that or, or is there something we want to do? So we, we're interested to have the conversation. It's not for the Chartered College to have an opinion about what's right and what's wrong. It's our our place is to curate a conversation, to respect the plurality of views, the plurality of voices, but to enable that to happen. Because I think otherwise the spaces to do that are quite limited. Um, and so that's that's essentially what we're about with with that campaign and with the education exchange. And we'd be really pleased to uh, to hear from anybody who wants to engage with with the resources that we that we have on that site um, and who maybe wants to write for us or even just to respond to some of the the provocations that are on there there are deliberate provocations because otherwise if everybody just logs on and agrees with it we won't get anywhere <laughs> it's about how we how we all get involved in what might uh, what might happen next no, and, and we will share the, the links to the Education Exchange so that people can take a look for themselves, uh, sign up and, and get involved. But I do like the way that it's it's kind of structured and that, you know, that there's a lot of material up there already to mm. engage with. Mm. So even if you're a bit of a lurker like me and you don't think that you're <laughs> sitting on the <laughs> greatest idea in the world, um, you can ease your way into it. Um, yeah. But as you say, um, 
you know, I think it's a much more exciting conversation to think about the future and, and what we want to change rather than, um, you know, try and go, go back to something that, as you say, wasn't necessarily working anyway in terms of children's well-being mm. and outcomes mm. for young people. Um, so um, really, really exciting stuff. Um, and obviously there's there's network activity that, that goes on via the college as, as well um, and, and training. Um, what are sort of um, what's been going on with that and, and, and plans for that this year, Kat? In a way, um, I guess it was a relatively straight, straightforward transition for us because as a body that, that represents teachers across the whole country, um, we do try to make things as flexible as possible and that often means using online uh, as part of our delivery anyway rather than being a kind of regional training provider where perhaps face-to-face -face is more at the heart but certainly we've had to make some adaptations and we've really tried to, to make sure that for the coming um, year we've, we've built a program that, that is flexible that really meets teachers needs but that hopefully fits in with the sorts of challenges that we know that teachers and school leaders might be facing so um, I guess the first element of that was looking at our chartered teacher programme. Um, that's uh, the sort of core chartered teacher programme, recognising the expertise of classroom practitioners. Uh, we've had to adapt. Normally there is a face-to-face -face launch event, obviously. Uh, current context, that's not very realistic. But it's actually, um, as with, with many things around uh, the challenges of moving online, it's given us a chance to reflect on what we can do differently very powerfully so we've uh, we've obviously taken an online approach to that but we've tried to build that in a really useful way that still allows those kind of network developments because we know the relationships that teachers make through these are so critical as well this year is also the first year that we've run our charter teacher program um, through uh, a, a sort of network of partners uh, designed to deliver regionally um, and again we've been working with them to see how this can work best we've also been more flexible about start dates because that's something that, that has had to be possible uh, interestingly the summer term was also the time when the um, participants on our previous cohort of the charter teacher program were just supposed to be doing their, their in-school um, research-based improvement projects and obviously um, their plans when they've been thinking about what they were going to do there had in many cases been very changed of course we flexed our program so that uh, we had three different options for people who are part of that program to mean that they could still um, progress and achieve their certification in the way that worked best with their current context in school. The other thing that's really exciting this year is that um, we've now launched, launched our Excellence in Leadership program, which is a route to allow school leaders to achieve chartered status. That's something that people have been asking us about for a couple of years, actually, that they really want to know, how can I become a chartered as a school leader? And um, thanks to some funding that we received from, uh, from the Mercers, we've been able to develop this new program. Um, that literally just opened applications for that. The program itself will begin uh, at the start of 2021. Um, and it's really still focused on evidence before practice, ensuring that uh, the school leaders are also engaged in how they develop their teachers, understanding, deep understanding of pupil learning, of curriculum assessment but with that kind of leadership angle to it. So we're, we're really excited about that. Again, currently, um, we would hope that that would be able to have some face-to-face -face elements. That's what we're planning for. Um, those would be later in the programme anyway, but of course we'll be reacting to the current situation, the changes, and we're able to deliver that virtually as well, while still giving that chance for our community of, of uh, leaders to engage with each other and develop a network. We've also, uh, had the chance to really push a couple of our other programs and our thinking so when we restructured um the charter teacher program to allow us to sort of flex that more have more of it online 
um, we ended up having one section of it which works quite nicely as a standalone section. So we're now able to offer a kind of almost introductory module which we'll be starting to offer from, from 2021, which is uh, uh, the Introductory Certificate in Evidence-Based Practice. Um, and it, it's basically a way for teachers to start to engage in using evidence to inform their practice. There's a number of different themes and topics they can look at. There'll be online learning, and then there'll be, will be a sort of formal assessment that they do. And um, if they complete that successfully, that gives them some credits towards going on to do the full Chartered Teacher Programme if they want to. So that's really exciting. Um, we're just starting to release information about that as well. Um, and actually, it's also been a great chance for us to uh, really develop and extend the online courses we already offered. So we offer um, a number of uh, massive open online courses on FutureLearn um, as Chartered College on our own, but also in partnership with the University of Birmingham. We had two courses about using education technology funded by the Department for Education. And um, those existed prior to wow. all of the current situation, but have become hugely relevant. So we've seen great numbers engaging in those. We were expecting initially that, that those would, um, would come to an end in July, but we've extended uh, the run of those courses, made them open for anyone to access um, up until November now as well, because we, we've seen how uh, how valuable those have been. One of them is about um, sort of evidence-based practice using technology, and the other one is about leading education technology in your school. And then, as I said, we've got, uh, we've got three now with the University of Birmingham all looking at using research. So those online courses have really come into their own in a scenario where people are finding that face-to-face -face learning is not so possible. Um, also, our event series has typically been made up of a mixture of kind of webinars, but also lots of face-to-face -face and regional events. And that we've had to revisit again. Um, but we've had the chance to put together a really exciting series of webinars with some fantastic speakers. We have our early career festival coming up at the end of September and uh, and then into October and across the autumn term with specific events for, as the name suggests, early career teachers. Normally that would have been a one day event, but now it's a, a series of webinars across a number of days. Um, and we've, we've also done some things to sort of support schools in developing their professional learning. Um, so just things like putting together collections of open access articles from um, our journal Impact designed to be used for kind of reading groups. So they're organized by themes decide if they want to look at a particular theme there's a few articles around that they can use there's some guidance for setting up these kind of reading groups whether they're face-to-face -face or online as well so we've really tried to support schools in that way um, and we'll continue to do that so you know it's given us some really interesting and exciting opportunities wow um fantastic how how flexible so much of that learning is and as you say um how relevant particularly those 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 modules around EdTech, where it might have been quite difficult to get get people engaged on on the topic of technology, and now everybody has a much bigger frame of reference uh, for for doing these doing them these things um, during during lockdown. Um, so we'll make sure we put um, some of the details of, of that on the on the links um, at the end of the notes for this podcast as well. Um, so fantastic amount of, of work going on at the, the Chartered College, um, but just wanted to, to, to close on any any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience and, and, and hopes for the academic year ahead, Alison. So I would just like to thank all our teachers and everyone who works in our schools and colleges. People listening to this, most of us will have young people in our families or people that we know who've been able to return to school over the last weeks. 
And they've done so with absolute enthusiasm and joy. Even the ones who don't normally show very much enthusiasm <laughs> are excited to be back in school. And this is, this is no accident. This is because what we do in our schools is amazing. Our schools are better than they've ever been. And our teachers are so committed and those who support our teachers to make education the best it can be. So please, um, if you know a teacher, say thank you to them. Um, and also maybe join the Charter College for your teacher yourself, because we would love to work with you to carry on building your future success. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. Um, uh, so um, thank you to Dame Allison and Kat for talking to us today. And thank you to all of you for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key, giving education leaders the knowledge to act. Members of The Key for School leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com. And please tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions. <laughs>